I'm Asan and welcome to a 9320 transfer special. Um, on today's show, the experts that I've got to help us navigate the madness of the window are goals Sam Lee and ESPN's Jonathan Johnson. Firstly, welcome, Jonathan. Thanks for having me on. Pleasure. Welcome, Sam. Hello. How are you? All right, a bit worse for wear after the game yesterday and the celebrations after, but fighting fit. Do you want to? Do you want to for for the, for those listeners who maybe don't follow you on Twitter? Do you want to tell them what you did yesterday? Yeah, played played an eleven aside game at the CFA. Uh, Manchester journalists against Man City staff, and it was four all, and we won on penalties. Ooh, get you! Um, who was in the staff team? Uh. Just a lot of the guys on the content team, there was guys a bit higher up, you know, I've, I've seen them knocking around. Um, Any of the heavy com- hitters? Commercial events. There wasn't like, Ferran wasn't there, but there was, there, yeah, there was a couple of people I've seen around when they did that next entire unveil earlier in the season. There was um, the guy who was giving an interview on behalf of that. He was he was playing. So it was all sorts. They, they had about 40 of them and they kept changing the whole team every 20 minutes, but they still could <laughs> Any, any, sc- any scouts taking a off. peek at the, the journalists, Tim? I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> some of us had a, some of us played well, so I hope so. There's there's a lot of windows at the CFA. There, there was a lot of people looking over, at least until they went over. I bet there was. I bet there was. Um, so, listen, let's talk about some transfers. I want to uh, I want to start with the obvious one, which is um, Alexis. Now, Sam, where oh. are we at? from your understanding of what you piece together? I think, I think it's looking good. Um, I think it's looking good from City's point of view. Sorry, I was actually just reading a, an Alexis Sanchez quote on Twitter there and he's, it seems you've been asked about it. He says, the truth is that my agent will see to it, he knows, and he will sit down with the club to see what is best. And um, Is this breaking I think what news? It, it seems like it. Oh, it seems wow. it's certainly the first I've seen of it. Um, and as far as I'm concerned, the, the he knows bit there means, you know, he knows he wants to come to City. We've had that all all along, really. Um, there's another quote. He says, I would like many things, but right now I'm only thinking about the national team, which is fair enough because Chileans love it and they got that battling spirit, which means they're at the Confederations Cup in the first place. But yeah, so basically, he want, as, far as, I'm, as far as I'm concerned, he wants to come to City. Um, his agents now now want that. I think there was a bit of chat before that they were keen to see what Bayern had to offer. But I think the agents now want a move to City as well. And I think if Arsenal can sign a good striker, um, you know, basically somebody to appease the fans, I think they I think they, they could let it happen. Uh, you know, City wouldn't have pursued it for two or three, maybe four, five, six months if they didn't think at some point that Arsenal would sell. I think they'd have abandoned it by now or at least if not they would they will give it everything to try and sign him so I, I do think I do think things are looking good from City's point of view because Alexis wants to come he doesn't want to go anywhere else okay um just to throw this over to Jonathan for a second Jonathan I read um I saw pictures actually that Arsene Wenger was in Nice with uh, Ivan Gazidis in the last in the last week or so um, can you maybe shed a little bit of light on their bid for potentially for Lacazette? Because it feels as though maybe that might be something that might free up Alexis. For Alexandre Lacazette? Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, Lacazette now knows that his um, move to Atletico Madrid, which seemed to be his dream for the last couple of months, is not going to happen now with the, you know, the registration ban up until January. So, you know, Lacazette is back at Lyon at the moment and has a decision to make. Does he hang on in there? and wait for Atletico to be able to sign players again, knowing that they'll come back? Or does he see what offers are available to him, you know, possibly Arsenal uh, this summer, uh, and then and then try and make a decision? Uh, Antoine Griezmann gave a, gave an interview on Telefoot last weekend where he, uh, you know, he, he made no secret of the fact that he'd spoken with um, Lacazette. Lacazette was very um, keen to join Atletico, was looking forward to, uh, you know, to potentially linking up uh, there with him, even if it would only be for a short while. Uh, and then obviously that door was slammed shut by um, the, the, the decision to uh, enforce that ban mm-hmm. upon uh, Atletico. So at the moment, you know, Lacazette is a possibility for Arsenal. I mean, I, th- I think that he'd be, uh, he, you know, he'd be a good fit there. He is versatile. He can play out wide. He can also play through the middle. You know, he's a bit, he's a bit like Alexi. He's one of those guys who's come uh, from out wide into the middle and actually prefers it there and is better there. You know, he's more effective in front of goal that way. So, you know, I think that he would be a, a good replacement and I think that he would be, uh, you know, um, much more realistic financially than uh you know somebody like Mbappe because to be perfectly honest I think the uh you know the Arsenal being linked to Mbappe as I've seen earlier this week is you know is, is rubbish really you know we, we all know that Wenger's not going to sanction a bid of of that much money for for just one player yeah okay cool um in just kind of guessing Jonathan do you would you say that the other player I wanted to ask with with a link towards Arsenal would be Mares. do you think that that's one that you can see Wenger doing? Yeah, I could see Wenger going in for Mahrez again. I mean, there were rumours when Mahrez was, was first linked with a move away that Arsenal were very, very keen and then Wenger was eventually put off over the valuation. So it just depends, uh, you know, on whether Leicester's valuation of the player, uh, you know, has uh, has changed or not. Uh, you know, I think that it's a player that would definitely interest um, Arsene Wenger, um, you know, a player that he could definitely use at Arsenal. It's just a question of whether he feels that, the, you know, it represents good value for money, which is so often, uh, you know, the thing that makes a lot of these potential um, moves for Arsenal fall through because uh, Wenger at the end of the day feels like, uh, you know, he's not getting the, the, the best uh, the best value for money. So it, he's definitely a player that I think uh, will be of interest to Arsenal this summer. He'll be of interest to a number of clubs. You know, I think uh, clubs like Marseille as well, uh, now they've got a bit of money, will we'll also be keen to, to, to see if he'd consider a move there. Uh, as well as somebody like um, you know Monaco, where they're looking to, to, to rebuild after uh, a couple of departures already and you know, a few more um, that are very likely to come in the, in the next couple of weeks. Okay. Um, do you think that Arsenal... This summer, will conti- do you think that Wenger will continue with his kind of penny pinching? Or do you think maybe with the fact that they finished outside of the Champions League places that there may be a little bit more, they might be more prepared to overpay to get the players? I guess that's what I'm trying to ask. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can see what you're. I can see what you're saying, um, and I can see why you're asking. And I think that you know there will be a frustration element um, for Wenger this uh, this this summer. And yeah, perhaps you know he will think, oh well, you know I'll show them I'll spend a bit more than I I would usually. But I think Wenger, you know, being a being a bit rebellious is still not going to be uh, 
uh, you know, sort of on the scale of the, you know, the sorts of transfer deals we've seen from the likes of um, City and from uh, from PSG, those sorts of, you know, um, level transfer dealings in the past. But yeah, you know, I think that you we could see Wenger, you know, stretching to sort of um, 40, 50 million to pay out uh, for somebody like Lacazette, for example. Okay. Um, Sam, just to come back to you, I want to go back to Alexis for a second. Um, in terms of the the buy-in interest, would you do you think it's a fair characterization for me to say that even if his preference would be to come to City and even if his agent's preference were that he came to City, that if Bayern are bidding, that that does kind of create a scenario where he doesn't end up at City this summer? Or do you think that it's kind of reached a stage behind the scenes where it's gone too far down the road with City and you think that he either stays or he comes to City? It's always been the case that the Bayern were in for Alexis and and Arsenal would obviously rather sell him abroad. So I'd like to add as well that uh, PSG were in for Alexi for quite a while, and now that Patrick Cliver, the director of football's position, is unclear after the arrival of Antero uh, Enrique, PSG's interest has cooled a bit. He, he Alexi is still the priority for Unai Emery to sign, but there's uh, been a lot of disagreements um, since Enrique's arrival over which players PSG should be pursuing or not. There's other names in the fold as well, like Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, uh, Jean-Michel Serri as well. But Alexi is the player that Unai Emery really wants to sign this summer. But even uh, when Patrick Cliver was still pursuing his signature, they were not confident that they'd be able to persuade him to move to France over the likes of a City or a Bayern. Fair enough. Um, sorry, Sam. Go on. Yeah, it's it's always been it's always been the case that, well, you know, Bayern's interest was always difficult for City because they'd always knew that Arsenal would rather sell him abroad. But yeah, the last couple of days, it just seemed like Bayern have kind of fallen back a bit. Um, if they were to if they were to sign somebody, if they were to sign somebody else, I think that would help because obviously, obviously, they, they don't need to appease their fans. That they're not signing Alexis, but whereas Arsenal do, but I th- yeah, as you you mentioned, being far down the line with City, it does look like at the moment it does look like that's the case, and it does seem like I don't want to say a matter of time, but it does seem like things are moving in that direction. And <laughs> if if the pieces fall in the right way, I think we could have the the conclusion that we've. The city, city certainly were confident of, of reaching for the last few months. I think we might be moving towards that. When you see um, the way that City are moving at the moment, do you envisage this transfer in particular turning into a summer-long saga? Or do you think that Arsenal will take the point of view that whatever happens with Alexis needs to be decided in the next two or three weeks? Well, I'm sure with Arsenal, like anyone else, they'd want to get it all sorted out, and they'd want to, they'd obviously want to get in their new guy for for pre-season and, and sort it out with Alexis. But you know, sometimes it's just not possible, is it? And and these things can drag on. And with so many, so many moving parts, and it being so delicate, I I can see it. I can see it dragging on. Yeah, and Arsenal might Arsenal might even need further persuasion that that they need to let him go to City, or even they. They might want to keep up some kind of pretense for the fans that they that they battled to to keep him. 
Uh, I can see it dragging on though for for various reasons. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Um, I can't. I got to be honest with you. I, I, if I, I mean, obviously, I'm guessing, but it, if I if I had to take a, an educated guess, um, I don't think that that it'll drag because I think that there's, as you say, I think there's a lot of moving parts, and I think one of the things that that I'm conscious of is that Arsenal will have to do. They've got a lot of business to do themselves this summer, and I think that whether Alexi goes or he stays changes the kind of business that they do. And I think that never mind, like, you know, the idea that sell him now and give the fans the whole summer and, and loads of new signings to get over it. I think just from them, from a footballing perspective, I think they'll want to know one way or the other, what's going to happen with him and they'll want that clear and they'll want the money. in. so for me, <coughs> I'm going with, Two to three weeks after the uh, Confederations Cup ends, so that's like what twenty fifth of June. Is that right? Is that when the last game is? Yeah, it sounds roughly, roughly about that. Yeah. So I, rec- I, I reckon two weeks after the end of that, and it's sorted. Because also, I just don't see City allowing it to go into preseason because I don't think Guardiola will want uh, this sort of preseason. Anyway, that's just my take. Uh, look, another player I want to ask you about: Douglas Costa. Um, his name's mm. been mooted in a few places as being a viable option for City this summer. And I was under the impression that he didn't score anywhere near enough goals to, to be an option. Um, can you can you shed a bit of light on that? Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, there's one thing. Um, uh, from our point of view, we can say if Guardiola wants goals and he wants fast-forwards, who can score goals, then you'd say Costa probably wasn't quite the one. But the, the other thing is the fact that, yeah, so you do, so do want him. I think he's on some kind of list. He's not, I don't think he's, he's a top tight way. Well, certainly not one of the top five. He, I think he's probably more of a, more of an alternative, alternative to Alexis. Um, but I know that I heard the other day, there were two or three Premier League clubs looking at him. So I don't know. That's one of those where, They've kind of crossed that bridge when they come to it, I think. And if it gets far enough down the line with Alexis where they realise they can't get him, they'll maybe see if he's still available. But yeah, it's he's one of the ones on the list, one of the ones being monitored. But I don't think they're making any kind of moves towards that at the moment, or no, no concrete moves anyway. I don't think they've they've stepped anything up and they're you know looking to push anything through. Okay, so you think that in terms of the priorities, Alexis is absolutely the priority, and it's not oh, like yeah, they're working 100%. on something else because they're worried they're not going to get it over the line. Well, I mean, there's probably contingency plans in place, um, but but like I say, I think that's just that's identifying um, players so they know who to go for. I, I mean, I would imagine they've spoken to agents to see if it's it's worth uh, worth pursuing. There's no point having a backup and then ringing the agent and then going, yeah, well, we don't want to come. Mm-hmm. So I'd imagine there's been some kind of conversation. But yeah, Alexis is 100 the number one. Super. Um, okay, Jonathan. The other name in the frame. Big name in the frame uh, is um, Benjamin Mendy. Um, now, there was a flurry of stories about 10 days ago, maybe two weeks ago, um, around the time that we signed Bernardo Silva, that Mendy was more or less done. And in the last kind of week, 10 days, uh, there's been kind of different types of stories. Some saying he's close to Liverpool, some saying he's close to Chelsea, some saying he's close to City. And then in the last 48 hours, obviously in England, there's been the news that City are um, apparently trying to sign Ryan Bertrand. Now, 
before I ask Sam about Ryan Bertrand, tell me what you know about Mendy. Well, as far as I know about Mendy, Mendy is convinced that he's going to be moving to City. Uh, I think that the issue that is perhaps there is that um, Monaco accept that Mendy is one of the players that's going to move on. And yes, they are um, you know, in talks with a number of clubs over him. But the, you know, the City talks were the most uh, advanced and he's convinced that he will be moving there at some point. But City aren't quite convinced that, uh, you know, Mendy is worth the, the the money that's that Monaco are asking for him. And that's, you know, roughly around uh, £40 million, pounds, you know, which is a lot for a, for a fullback, even if he is arguably, you know, the, the, the best crossing fullback in Europe at this moment in time. Uh, and I think it's now just a question of, uh, you know, trying to drive down the price a little bit while Monaco try to keep up what I would say is, you know, an optimistic valuation of Mendy. I think he's a very, very good player, don't get me wrong. Uh, but, you know, I think that that is a lot of money to be asking for him. Uh, you know, and I think that uh, a deal will likely be struck, uh, you know, somewhere between those two, but it's not going to happen immediately. And I think perhaps, uh, in my opinion, uh, you know, the city interest in, uh, in, in, in Bertrand is, is perhaps, you know, part of that tactic to try and drive that cost down. But uh, obviously you two will know uh, city's needs and wants uh, better than I will. And, it, you know, it is, of course, uh, you know, possible that, you know, maybe Pep wants to, to completely revamp um, how the left back position looks. Uh, but, you know, City do want Mendy. They are interested. They're not the only club interested in him, obviously. Um, but uh, Mendy has been convinced for a long time to the point where he's told uh you know members of his uh his family and entourage uh you know that he will be uh joining bernardo silver at city happy days now look do you know what the difference is in terms of what city have bid at or what do you know what the difference in valuation is between what city value him at and what monaco value him at I, d- I don't know the the specifics of it but i would imagine it's probably somewhere around um, sort of 10 to 15 million because I'm, I imagine that both clubs realistically see his value being around sort of like the 30 million pound mark uh, and I think that Monaco are trying to be optimistic and looking at it thinking well it's a Premier League club there's a lot of interest in him we'll try and get a bit more um, than that for him and, and City were probably looking at it um, you know uh, the, the other way around and trying to knowing that they will be sort of seen coming because of, you know, everybody knows that Premier League clubs have a lot of money to to, to spend, especially the big boys, uh, and um, that Monaco would try to ask for more than their actual true valuation of the, the, the player the first time that City came knocking on the door. So I think it's uh, it's more likely that they will find some common ground around um, 30, 30 million pounds. Do you think once the international break is is done it will accelerate the international break. I mean, because he's with the the French national team at the moment. When he's done with his international duty, do you think it will accelerate yeah, very possibly because you know you look at the way that Monaco are doing their business at the moment. You know they're moving a lot of pieces around. Um, yes, you know they've let uh, they've let Bernardo Silva go to City. You know that was one big piece of the jigsaw puzzle. But they've also brought in Yuri Tielemans. They've extended Falcao's contract. He's taken a bit of a wage cut, uh, and Leonardo Jardim, the coach, has has extended his uh, contract as well. So Monaco are making uh, a number of moves internally, uh, and I think that they're now waiting for sort of you know their next. Um, 
you know their their, their next sort of big sale to, to to go on and perhaps one more contract renewal. Perhaps somebody like Jean Moutinho, who is one of those players who uh, is on much higher wages than the majority of the rest of the squad, and then they can start looking at somebody like Kylian Mbappe and trying to tie him down, uh, you know, to at least uh, you know an extra year or two on his contract with a view to selling him uh, next summer. Do you think they'll get that renewal done? Do you think that the Mbappe renewal will get done? Yeah, I do, because I think that Mbappe sees the logic in staying at Monaco for another season. I, th- I think there's there's no doubt that he uh, would be tempted by some of these offers that are you know falling into his lap at the moment. But I think he knows uh, that he wasn't an undisputed starter at Monaco for the whole of the season that's just finished and will want to go through a full season like that uh, upon the advice of his family. Uh, and also the wish of the club, knowing that the the Monaco are not going to stand in his way moving in the future, but knowing that you know it is probably best for his uh, his development at this time. But obviously, you know, if Real Madrid do. Um, you know, throw some crazy money at Monaco. Um, you know, it is something that they're going to have to speak about with him. But at the moment, all signs point to Mbappe ultimately um, renewing his contract uh, at Monaco and staying there for one more season. Awesome. Um, two more uh, Monaco players very quickly I want to ask you about. Now, first one, we, we had a brief conversation about it earlier today, Fabinho. <laughs> uh, what is your understanding? I guess that from... From our point of view, we feel, me and Sam are relatively comfortable about the idea that City aren't in for him. Um, there's a lot of talk. I think Marsa wrote yesterday that he's close to joining United. I've heard that he's not coming to England. What do you know? What's the kind of Monaco French perspective on what's going to happen with Fabinho? Well, there is a lot of interest in uh, in Fabinho. You know, the the United interest is uh, is is genuine. You know, they are keen to to sign him, but um, you know, um, other clubs have uh, have also put their you know their their hats in the ring for him as well. Yes, Juventus are one of them, but the other team who now uh, you know are looking very seriously at trying to sign him are, are actually PSG, since Antero Enrique took over as sporting director. You know, he being a Portuguese speaker. Uh, and um, Fabinho being somebody who played in Portugal for for some time, uh, he is a player that, uh, that that Enrique really likes the look of. Uh, and at the moment, it's a question of um, you know PSG trying to work out exactly how they want to rebuild this team after a disappointing season in Ligue 1. Uh, and Enrique is trying to make the the project and the the possibility of coming to PSG uh, to take over that deep lying midfield role from from Thiago Motta as enticing as possible to to Fabinho and obviously PSG have the financial means to um, you know to, to to make that happen and to make uh, uh, you know Fabinho extremely comfortable. But the question is, will Monaco? Um, you know, be happy to sell to the PSG. They've done it in the past with Levin Kazar, obviously somebody who was linked with City back in the day before he moved to PSG. Um, but I'm not so sure that Monaco will be as willing to sell to PSG this time around. So, uh, you know, it's up to teams like uh, Juventus and, uh, and and United to to try and get that deal done as quickly as possible because I think that the PSG move or the possibility of the PSG move will appeal to uh, Fabinho. But obviously, uh, you know, so will uh, potential moves moves to uh, the Premier League with United and Serie A with Juventus. Okay. Um, and the last one is Bakayoko, because again, he's been linked with Chelsea and with United. And I guess that this is a more general question about Monaco. Can you see them letting both Bakayoko and Fabinho go? 
I think in an ideal world, they want to let one or the other go. But now with Tielemans in, uh, you know, and their scouting network being what it is, uh, you know, I think that they would be confident of being able to replace both if both go. But I think it's now a question of whether or not some of those clubs who were interested in Bakayoko just a couple of months ago uh, are going to firm up their interest or not. Uh, you know, Bakayoko had a fantastic season, but he is still uh, relatively inexperienced. And I think if, uh, you know, Monaco could choose one of the two to keep, I think they'd probably want to keep Bakayoko solely be, uh, because of the the fact that, you know, he can still develop at, uh, at Monaco, whereas, you know, Fabinho sort of, almost gone as far as he could really go with, uh, with with Monaco now and they've had this agreement in place for some time that you know he could leave at the end of the season you know I don't think at the beginning of the of, of the the campaign just gone that Monaco and Fabinho uh, were were predicting that their season would be as successful as it was um, you know but I think that they're now um, pro- both parties are probably quite happy to to honor that agreement because I think Monaco would prefer to to move Fabinho on than move back Yoko on but if you know a really really good offer financially comes in for Bakayoko you know I think that they'd consider selling both and you know trying to trying to rebuild but uh, you know Jardim wouldn't have renewed his contract without certain promises being made and uh, you know having been told certain players are going to be leaving uh, and I think that uh, you know Fabinho is one of those players that he's been told probably won't be there next season um, I don't think the, you know that, that it's set in stone that Bakayoko will not be there Okay, awesome. Um, Sam, I want to go back to Ryan Bertrand. Um, do you think it's possible that City signed Bertrand and Mendy this window? Yeah, yeah. Um, always kind of known that City want at least two full-backs, and obviously they need at least two because they haven't got any right-backs, and the only real left-back is Kolarov, and obviously he's been a centre-back for most of the season. Um so yeah, when the Bertrand stuff came out the other day, it was kind of painted as an alternative. Uh, I tried to check it out and got told that he's one of the one of the four they're looking at. Um, so it's Mendy, Bertrand, Walker, a three of them still trying to work out who the fourth one is. But yeah, I think it's possible to get to get both, and they need both. So I think it it makes sense. He can, he you know he's young. Obviously, he's English. That helps. Uh, He's not as good as Mendy, obviously, but he's got the the general attributes to to slot in, and there's going to need to be some rotating because of all the competition. So it, it certainly makes sense. And the same on on the right hand side, whoever if they can get Walker, and then whoever comes in secondary, they they certainly need somebody. So yeah, that, that's what they're looking for. I think their priority at the moment, as well as Alexis, is is to get the the fullbacks in four if possible. Okay. Um, hey, that reminds me, Jonathan. Um, what about Serge Aurier? Because City were linked with him in the last week uh, with the new director of football at, at PSG. Does that make his exit more or less likely? The problem with Aurier is that Aurier himself wants to leave PSG. His entourage have been pushing for a move for a while. Uh, Emery doesn't particularly um, count on him moving forward, but uh, the president, Nasser Al-Khalifi, is absolutely convinced that Aurier is one of the best in the world in his position. So Al-Khalifi... 
you know, has has at the moment have his say and, and Aurier is staying. I mean, there's there's certain issues that complicate or a potential transfer for Serge Aurier, and that's um, his uh, appeal against a, uh, a a conviction. He's due to go back to court uh, to see if he can overturn um, a a sentence that he's been given, which will eventually, uh, you know, if he has to serve it, result in sort of like the the equivalent of like a community service. But that was for pushing a police officer. Around uh, about this time uh, last year, and until then, uh, you know it's going to be very difficult for Aurier to, to to make a move abroad because obviously he's an Ivory Coast international, even if he was raised in uh, in France. So uh, you know he'd have to get certain uh, you know clearances to play if he makes a makes a move abroad. I personally think that Aurier moving away from PSG uh, is a move that makes sense for the player. I think that he will thrive in an environment where he's able to concentrate on his football. He's not able to speak French. Uh, and uh, you know he is he is forced to concentrate on playing instead of uh, goofing around off the pitch, which is what he's been doing, uh, you know, for the best part of the last eighteen months. Uh, he is a very very good player on his day, but I think that his time in PSG unfortunately was over from the moment that he had that infamous uh, periscope outburst against the likes of uh, Laurent Blanc, uh, Salvatore Sirigu, and some of his other teammates. So uh, I. I, I think that Aurier is, um, you know, a potential option for City, but I don't think he's one at this very moment in time. I think it will become more clear uh, once he um, has 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 been to court, which could happen in the next sort of uh, few weeks, uh, month or so. Uh, and after that, you know, it'll be interesting to see how um, PSG look at the the, the situation with uh, Enrique now on board as sporting director. It, might well be one where Al-Khalifi accepts defeat and, and PSG allow him to move on, but there will be competition for his signature. Barcelona are interested in him, even if they aren't too keen uh, on the reputation he's built up for himself off the pitch uh, in the last uh, year or so. Uh, AC Milan as well, also very, uh, very keen on him. So if, uh, you know, if he does become available, uh, I'm sure that PSG won't uh, fail to to alert the the, the biggest clubs uh, to the fact that they're trying to sell him, uh, and I don't think there'll be any shortage of interest. I just uh, it, it depends on when he becomes available because it may well be that City push ahead with other targets and, and get them in before he's even made available for transfer. What do you think it'll cost if if they were to put him on the open market? Have you got an idea of what they'd ask for? I mean, yeah, probably around twenty million, uh, twenty million pounds, uh, which I think many clubs would try to negotiate down because of his uh, behaviour. But at the end of the day, they should bear in mind that until his outbursts, you know, PSG had bought him from Toulouse added value to him a rare example of PSG doing so from within Ligue 1 uh, and turned him into one of the best uh, right backs in uh, in European football mm, no definitely um, I'd have him I, I think he's brilliant I really do think he's brilliant the one, the, one, the, one, the one thing that might grate though with City fans is that he is a massive Arsenal supporter and he's never hidden that <laughs> yeah okay they're, they're yeah most French players are Arsenal supporters, but as yeah, but uh, but as we know, you know, most of Arsenal's best players end up at City anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we do like that. We do like that. Um, hey, listen. So to wrap this up, I want to ask you both about um, what happened with Liverpool and Virgil Van Dijk. Um, Sam, you ever seen anything like that before? No, I don't think so. Um, someone's had a, an absolute shocker, haven't they? An absolute shocker, and I don't know. I don't know who it is. I don't know. I don't know where the the original story came from, but whoever's responsible for it has had an absolute shocker. Because obviously they were really confident that 
it was going to happen and Van Dijk was going to Liverpool but it I don't know it just it just really really backfired didn't it I don't think I've I don't think I've seen such a kind of public climb down on to the, on this scale especially you know this, this would have been a statement signing for Liverpool I know I don't know if it's still in place but up until very recently at least they've got this payment structure where it's the forwards and and wingers that get paid the most and then you know they, you kind of earn less as you go back towards your own goal so if they were going to pay Van Dijk 200 grand a week that would have been you know a massive signing for Liverpool and now whoever whoever has told all all the all the press that it was going to happen has just completely torpedoed it and no, I haven't said anything like it. I, I want to ask a question because I've 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 read from a lot of places that Liverpool's tactic was that they didn't want Southampton to be allowed to get themselves into a position where they could have a an auction for Van Dijk. So that's why they leaked what they leaked about him choosing Liverpool and obviously it's Liverpool supporters that are saying this but they're saying that Southampton's complaint to the FA is not because Van Dijk's been tapped up it's because they've been put in a position where they can't have an auction Mm. would you go along with that or do you think that well it certainly makes sense okay um but yeah I don't know if it's come from the club um Obviously, today there's a few claims floating around that it hasn't. But you, I mean, you'd expect that. You'd expect if some, if the club had put it out there, you'd expect they'd row back on it. But it, it does seem like, you know, some versions of events. It really didn't come from the club. But I don't, I don't know. I don't know who it was. But that theory certainly makes sense. Yeah. Okay, um, Jonathan, what's the international view like? Obviously, it's huge news in England. How does it make Liverpool look? Is Van Dyke rated as a player? I mean, you know, they're talking about 67. Yeah, I mean, Van, Van Dyke is a player that, you know, people are aware of, particularly in France. You know, the Premier League is uh, is, is very well followed here. Liverpool particularly, um, you know, a club that are quite well followed as well. I mean, Van Dyke was a player linked with PSG when, uh, you know, Cliver had... Uh, a strong say over transfers so you know there are a lot of um Ligue 1 and PSG fans you know sort of on the on the lookout to see how he how, how he got on uh you know I think at the moment it you know it looks very embarrassing for Liverpool and you know the sort of big question um as, as far as Europe is concerned now is that you know how how did Liverpool go about pursuing another target uh, when everybody knows what they were prepared to pay for Van Dijk uh, and also to pay the player himself, you know, because even if Liverpool do manage to negotiate for one of their other targets, you know, that target is now essentially going to be able to name their price, considering the fact that, you know, the the details of what Van Dijk would have been earning at uh, at Liverpool have, uh, you know, has, has made it out in the press. So, you know, it's put Liverpool in a very, very difficult uh, situation. Uh, going through to the rest of the of the summer because now there's going to be a lot of clubs in Europe waiting for that uh, phone to ring from uh, fr- from Liverpool as they look for defensive reinforcement. Um, do either of you? Uh, I'll start with you, Sam. Do you think there's any hope whatsoever that that Van Dijk ends up at Liverpool still this window? Strange things have happened, haven't they? Um, yeah, probably. I think. You know, if it drags on a bit, because I think Southampton would have wanted to sell. And again, going back to that theory, making sense, they would have, they would have sold for 
God, especially for 60. But if it starts dragging on and they've just got the prospect of a player who's upset and doesn't want to play and no one's come in for him, then I think I think that's a situation that would the City would look at later in the summer. But I think Liverpool, even with their tail between their legs, like it could happen. Yeah, a lot of stranger things have happened. Football's mad, isn't it? The amount of things you see with with transfers. <laughs> look, the two the two biggest transfers that have kind of fallen through this summer: Van Dijk to Liverpool and Griezmann to United. Just just mad things that of all the things that can go wrong with a transfer, you never expect it to be those two. Yeah, mate, but that to me that just stinks of clubs that are run badly because I don't think that you. Yeah, I think that with the with the Van Dyke thing, for me, I think that that this idea that Southampton didn't didn't were angry that they didn't get an auction, I think that's nonsense because I think ultimately, from Southampton's point of view, the lad's got a five year contract. He's got five years left on his contract, and even if the even if Van Dyke's agent comes in and says, "Well, you know what." He only wants to go to Liverpool. Southampton are well within their rights, and which I think a lot of clubs do do now these days anyway, which is they'll say, well, okay, but this club is prepared to pay that much, so that's his value. So it doesn't matter if he wants to go to Liverpool. If City or Chelsea are prepared to pay $65 for him, that's what Liverpool have to pay. So I think this I I don't think that auctions, in the way that kind of supporters view them as like, you know, I'll bid 40, I'll bid 45, I'll bid 50. I just don't think that happens these days. Well, I, 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 think, it, I think there are certain situations where that can happen. And I mean, it might even, it might even come down to that with Alexis because Bayern, Arsenal would sell Alexis to Bayern for less than they'd sell him to City. But City could go, we'll give you 20 million extra, God knows. You know. But you know what I mean? I think there are certain situations where where there are still people outbidding each other, um, yeah. but obviously, but obviously now this is the thing with the whole tapping up thing. It happens all the time, and there are so many clubs who are going to sign players this summer, and they're known for months that the player wants to come to them. Okay, but and they're just think, and they're just working out the finer details. But don't you think there's a difference between that and Jurgen Klopp and Van Dijk meeting in Blackpool during the season? I mean, I, I'm just genuine question. Do you think there's any possibility that Guardiola's had a meeting with Kyle Walker? Well, he's known for his phone calls, isn't he? Well, this is what I'm Guardiola. saying. Isn't there a big difference between... Because the phone call, I think that Southampton's beef is that whoever's been briefing made the mistake of saying, oh yeah, and Jurgen Klopp met him in Blackpool and, and, and sold him the project and that's why he decided to join. And Southampton have gone, hang on. What? I mean, like, of course, everybody knows that agents meet other clubs' managers and that managers will sometimes get on the phone. But the idea that they sat down face to face and had a conversation during the season about a transfer when he manages in the league and, and, and he plays in the league, that to me seems like people keep saying this is normal. And I'm like, I'm not convinced that's normal. Do you, what do you reckon? I don't think it's, I don't think it's, too bad and Van Dijk wasn't playing anyway was he? he hasn't took out an afternoon and missed training or knackered himself out he, he didn't play for four months um, I, I don't see too much difference between it's like the old imaginary yellow card waving thing it's like if they're not waving for it the players are surrounding the ref just ask, actually asking him <laughs> to book someone it doesn't make it doesn't make any difference if they meet face to face or over the phone it's it's the same. It's the same thing going on. Yeah, fair enough. That's a top analogy, uh, Jonathan. What do you reckon? Like, do you, do you, do you think that the kind of the reports of the fact that they met face to face could be what tips Southampton over the edge? I mean, 
you know, I think, I think, yeah, per, you know, per, perhaps it was, but uh, you know, I think, I think that a lot of what's being discussed, you know, also makes uh, make makes a lot of sense because at the end of the day, uh, you know, he is a, a a player who is of proven Premier League quality, and you know, I think Southampton just wanted to sell. Uh, you know, they're one of their crown jewels for for as much as they possibly could, so they could fund investment. Uh, you know, in other areas of the in other areas of the team. Uh, but yeah, I think that it, you know that does make um, you know Southampton look um, you know like a like a like a pretty small club if they're if if they're seen to have granted their player permission to go and have a to go and have a chat with uh, the coach of another team in the same league uh, you know during the season uh, even regardless of whether he was or, or was not playing or whether it was uh, whether it was close to to a match so you know I, th- I, th- I think this is just it, it's like you said earlier it's an example of one of those transfers that's just gone incredibly wrong you know it wouldn't necessarily be the biggest surprise to see it you know end up uh, being back on at some point this summer but at the moment you know it does uh, you know it, do, it does look awfully bad it's gonna be 65 70 million now if he does go to liverpool and that's just you know i mean i i, I think that if city were gonna pay 65 or 70 million pounds for virgil van dyke i think even me who i'm like i don't care what they spend on anybody even i'd be going i don't know about that because that's that's like pogba levels of of pressure and an expectation and yeah anyway we'll see listen gentlemen Thank you so much, Jonathan. Thank you. Uh, thanks a lot for having me on and uh, speak to you soon, hopefully. Absolutely. Sam, nice one. Thanks, mate. Pleasure as always. Have we covered everything, Sam? Like, just from the man angle, have, we, have I missed anything? Uh, we got Costa and we got Alexis and we've got Mendy and we got Bertrand. Yeah, the five, the five main targets. Obviously, Adairson done today. Yeah, that's uh, done today. The four fullbacks. And, and yeah, of the centre-back situation right. of which Van Dijk is, may still be one option. Yeah. Anyway, we'll see. We shall see. We'll do another one of these as soon as we have we have more news. In the meantime, thank you very much for listening. As always, if you like what we do, go to iTunes, hit subscribe, send us a tweet, go to our website, 9320.com. We'll be back with a season review tomorrow. <laughs>